0: Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Well, 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 guess what? Guess who's on the podcast today? Miss Susan Hyatt. I don't think she needs an introduction, but I'm going to introduce her anyway. She is a master certified life and business coach, one of the world's leading voices on mindset, motivation, and how to become an unstoppable woman. She's also the host of the Rich Coach Club podcast. She's been featured on national TV like a whole bunch of times and in Oprah magazine, Cosmopolitan, 17 Women's World. She's the author of the number one best selling book, Bear, like, she's just a freaking goddess. And you know, Susan's always been such a role model to me, not just because she is just so fabulous and a really big deal, but because to me, she models such an unapologetically powerful way of moving through the world as a woman, as a mother, while also being such a light, while being Also such a freaking class act. And having been a client as well as just a fan, I wanted to pick her brain about how to pull that off. That's something that I want for myself and for all of you. (laughs) This is just the most fun conversation. And I don't even want to make this introduction that long because let's just get to Susan already. Here she is. I am so happy to have you on my podcast today, Susan Hyatt. I have I have just just to have like have a little fangirl moment because I've been following you for literally like probably ten plus years, and I remember a distinct moment. I think it must have been like five or six years ago when I looked you looked up your website and it your website was fabulous even back then. And I remember like lusting after a coaching package with you and just feeling <laughs> like I will never be able to afford this, and I don't know how. Like, this must be for rich people. I'm, I wasn't like mad about it. I was like, so like envious. Like, I wish yeah. I could be in a position where I could be coached by Susan. And I was just like yearning. And I just, I remember this distinct moment of like having that, those thoughts back then.
1: And, and now look at you. Look at look you. At I paid you rich, <laughs> you rich Korean lucky charm. You look <laughs> at you. That's what Susan's going to call me now.
0: My rich Korean lucky charm. That's right. I and, mean, look at you. You're like a miracle walking. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I there's so many things I would love to pick your brain on. But today in particular, I would love to ask for your thoughts about what it means to market in a classy way. Because is a marketing podcast, you are a queen of many things, including I think you're such a brilliant marketer. I know that so many people feel so empowered. They feel just infected with your like sparkly, brilliant juju just by being in your marketing sphere and being influenced by the way you show up in the world. And so why don't I just start there? What are your thoughts about like, how do you do that?
1: First of all, I'm just going to have to have you like say that kind of stuff to me on a daily basis. Are you on Voxer? Like, I need this pep talk on a daily basis. Oh my I can't God. believe you already have a full-time employee who just does this for you every day. You know what? I'm going to need to hire a hype person. That's what I need.
0: I will be Uh-oh. your hype person until uh, forever, <laughs> Susan. I will boxer you every day. <laughs>
1: So classy marketing. I think it's funny that you chose that word for me because most of the hate mail I get is from people telling me that I need to be classy.
0: Oh, like you're the opposite of classy. Right. That like, you know,
1: right. You need to be classy. What do you think people think that means? I think they mean that means be a lady that Mm. and that's a loaded word, you know, for me, like you need to play by the rules, which for women means don't curse, like, don't ruffle any feathers, be humble, um, you know, right? (laughs) And so so I know that's not how you're using the word, but my haters love to use that word that way to sort of shame me to change like how I am in the world. And so what you're saying is like, oh, I just like you embody classy marketing. And I take that, I tell to, that mean, to my trolls. <laughs> I know I'm going to be like, listen to this podcast. This woman thinks I'm classy, but I think that it means it, just embodying your values. Oh, I think classy I mean. means authenticity and walking your talk. And I think that's the ultimate test of class right it's it's not about income level or or upbringing or anything like that it's about are you authentically embodying your values and so for me my top values are freedom and advocacy and creative expression And so I think with marketing, that's what you see is that you and I both love marketing so much. We have that in common. And I think that is another thing we have in common is that we see marketing as an opportunity to flex our creativity and coach people from the first moment of 100% coming into contact with our worlds. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think it's like, that's what that word means to me. And that's, so it's quite an honor for you to to have me on the podcast for this topic. I love it. You know, when I didn't even ask myself, what does, what what do I mean when I say, oh,
0: Susan is so classy. And while you were answering, I was asking myself what, like, I love your definition of classy, by the way, I think it's a brilliant definition, like walking a talk, living your values. And mm-hmm. I would... Like add to that a little bit, maybe to me, it's also, again, it has nothing to do with how much money you have or your education or your class or anything. It's about how you make other people feel in your presence, mm-hmm. right? How you, whether you treat other people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And to me, especially classiness and marketing is so much like if I were the other person on the other end reading this or watching this being exposed to my marketing, how would this make me feel? Right, you know, and of course, you can't control how other people feel, and you could you know put out the most loving expression of whatever, and some somebody could be like, "Well, you're doing it wrong and made me mad <laughs> or offended me or whatever right? right, so you can't please everybody, but to the person whom you are trying to influence, right? Like I'm very conscientious of of how what's the energy I'm giving to them and is it really nourishing for them? Is it helpful for them, right? Mm-hmm. And to, I know that we probably agree on this exactly, but
1: I wanted to add that dimension to it too. I love that. And it's and it's so true. It's you know, we we talk about this on my team all the time that there have been things that we've discussed like I don't like that strategy because I think it for me, it makes me feel like, you know, the whole like the clock is ticking, you know, time is running out and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I just like even in the way that we did it in that funnel, I don't like it. And I'm like, fuck your funnel. Like we're not doing (laughs) we're not doing that. We're not doing that no more. We are. We're. You know. It's like sometimes I think even as joyful marketers, we might try something and be like, you know what, that's not aligned with my values. I'm. I'm. I'm not doing that again. I'm so glad you said that because I think a big part of finding your own classiness
0: is trying things and then being like, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. Right? So classy doesn't mean you do everything exactly right and you never have any regrets or it's it's like you do things and then it's kind of like a dance. Like you put one foot here and you put another foot there and then you're like, oh, like this is how I walk. Right. I don't know. That was a weird metaphor, but <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's 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 you iterate into into your brand of classiness. And I can look at so many things I've done in the past. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that again. Or I wouldn't say it like that. But the only way I could be who I am now, knowing what I know now, is by having taken all that action and having a a set of data to draw from where like, oh, that didn't quite make me feel the way I wanted. Oh, that didn't quite have the effect I wanted. How can I do it better? And being willing to learn from those experiences as opposed to getting it right every time, right?
1: Totally. I mean, I love how you call it a fail pile. Freaking love that because it's like, yep, I got another log for the fail pile. And guess what? Like that's part of being in business. That is just part of it. You know, it's so funny because
0: even when I hear you say that, and I, I would consider myself an insider in terms of what it's like to be a coach entrepreneur and especially, you know, whatever. But like, Even when I hear someone like you say, I have a giant fail pile, I'm like, but you're Susan
1: Hyatt. It can't be that bad. (laughs) Oh my God. You know who knows all of it? Mork the Beagle. The international (laughs) sensation that is Mork the Beagle has all the fail pile stories. He witnesses it all. No, he's not been around long
0: enough. You have Um, to follow Susan on social media so you get to keep up with Mork. the beagle who is in, indeed an international sensation so i just have to put that out there
1: <gasps> but but for real i mean every single day i'm like oh my god i didn't think that through or you know i am a high quick start on the colby scale i'm not sure we have sure that in that. common okay so yeah. i'm a 10 quick start and a 9 fact finder which is an interesting combo. So, I do love my research. But, you know, so I can quick start all over the place. And if you're a high quick start, too, Simone, then you know that results in lots of fail pile logs. I like of- to call it cringe file. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, not file, a pile, or at pile and a file.
1: <laughs> cringe file. I am, yes, I have there, a healthy, file. <laughs> yeah, I have a healthy cringe file and Facebook Memories delivers them to me on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? What? What was happening with that hairstyle? And also, why did I say that? Oh my gosh, cringe. Yeah. I, I think that's part of the process. I, I, cause you know,
0: I attract, I tend to attract, I'm sure you do too, attract people who, you know, place a really high premium on, on integrity and kindness and mm-hmm. treating others well. And I think we, have too big of a cringe reaction to the cringe that already happens. Like we have to be more generous with ourselves and, and say, yeah, you know, how I find my path of integrity and classiness is by making a bunch of moves and then just seeing, okay, here's how I want to do it, uh, do it differently next time without, you know, just like shorten the time you spend just beating yourself up and feeling bad about yourself. It's like, it's not that necessary. Right
1: it's not and i i actually wrote down because in addition to fail pile i'm now gonna start quoting you with cringe file um (laughs) but but it is like i like we're laughing about it we're not like oh my gosh i can't show my face again well we're laughing
0: about it now but there's
1: sometimes (laughs) oh well i mean sometimes in the moment it's like in the moment it's like yeah my gosh but you know i'm definitely somebody that's like okay Let's dust ourselves off. And what now? Like what even yesterday we were having a marketing meeting on my team and kind of rehashing some of the things that like it, it was sort of one of those meetings where people on my team were like, Did you know that? And it was like stuff that didn't happen or like stuff that was like a broken funnel and like all this stuff. And I was like, Okay, we are gonna focus on high quality solutions right now. We are going to f- stop with the fail pile discussion. And we are now moving on to high quality thoughts and solutions about where we're headed. And so that is what saves me on a daily basis because honestly, when like you and I have this very thick cringe file and fail pile, it's like you can stay there and keep throwing logs on the fire and fondle your story about it. Or you can decide like, how do I want to feel? How do I want people to when they receive this to feel, how do I like, what is, what is it that I want? And it's not going to get me anywhere to like hide in the corner and be sad that I made a mistake. It's part of being human.
0: <laughs> right. That's one of my favorite concepts of yours, by the way, like the high quality thoughts and high quality questions, high mm-hmm. quality solutions. So it's like, all right, like, okay, what's the learning? How do we want to move forward? Right. Like, mm-hmm. how do we want to learn from this? As opposed to, as you say, adlocks to the cringe mm-hmm. fail hire <laughs> of. Piles and piles. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Another thing that I see you do brilliantly, which just adds to the classiness, is lifting others up in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I just, I hear so many people say like, you know, um, what is empowered women, empower other women and like support other blah, blah, blah. And I think people try to do that, but then I also see a lot of kind of subtle Mm, dismissal of ways that other entrepreneurs, other coaches do things differently, or mm-hmm. subtle, or actually sometimes even overt shaming of, oh, people who do this are doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I think in a lot of cases people don't quite realize they're doing it because it's very subtle and they think they're doing it for. For a good cause, for a good reason, to raise awareness and to help people choose a better path or whatever. But I think that it's very possible to help people and to empower them without overt or subtle shaming or dismissing of anyone who's doing it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm going to like raise my hand and say, I've done that subtle, accidental shaming, dismissing of people who are differently. Cause I'm convinced like, Oh, I love the way I'm doing it. It's really working for me. And this must be the one right way. And other people who aren't doing it are mistaken or they're wrong or whatever. Right. So I've mm-hmm. definitely done that. And through, and how I know I to not do that anymore. Cause when is when I did that, I felt kind of, I didn't feel good on the inside, right? Right. Yeah. And so
1: perfect barometer is like that. Did it feel like you just ate a whole bag of Doritos or did it feel like, <laughs> like it felt know- good in the moment, but <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it feels like to like jump on those bandwagons. It feels mm-hmm. like you've just binged on like Funyuns. It's like, how's that aftertaste? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's easy to mindlessly reach for the next mm-hmm. like bit mm-hmm. of,
0: you know, a criticism or, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's lazy to just have to be an arm, armchair critic and to be taking shots at who you think is doing it wrong, et cetera. And what really made me sit down and think, even though it was a, like, a simple idea, but a profound idea was one Facebook post that you had where you're like, listen, that's not how you market. Just go help some people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what
1: it's about. <laughs> exactly. It's like, and what's funny is I, I think, you know, Hillary Presswood.
0: I just listened to your podcast episode with her. I loved it so
1: much. She's amazing. And yeah. we talked a little bit about this. I bring her up because she she called it the emo phase of business Blair. when you find yourself doing that too often. And it typically it typically is like when I see things like that happening, I think we all kind of go through these phases where we think like, you know everything, we become jaded and everything is broken and the industry stinks and like all this kind of stuff. Like I I never really thought all that, but you know, it's like, it's sort of like the qualities of that in business. It's almost like teenager, like Mm -hmm. where it's like. I I think a lot about, I'll see some of those threads happening and I'm like, oh gosh, like I can hear my mom saying, you don't know the half of it. Like, you know, like they're like criticizing some strategy or some business owner. And it's like, oh boy, like you just like don't know the other side of this. You're being awfully critical about something that you don't necessarily know about. Sometimes people do have accurate criticisms and are, like you said, like coming from a place of raising awareness and feel they are in their integrity and doing it. And I guess my suggestion always is like, okay, like, You've spent way too much time on this, though. Like, go help some people. Like, high-quality thoughts, actions, and solutions, people. It is never high-quality to sit around on social media or in real life and tear other people down. It just isn't. I don't care if you feel warranted. It's a waste of fucking time. Yeah. I think
0: what you and I, I mean, another thing that we have in common is that, I mean, I could be wrong, but I assume we both love our industry. Yes. I love the coaching industry. I also love the coaching industry and I love everyone in it. Well, probably not everyone. I don't know everyone, probably (laughs) most people. Right. And one of my intentional thoughts that I offer my students is, it's one of my intentional beliefs that I choose to believe is that everyone is doing it right. Ah, yes. Right. And everyone is, is, is helping someone maybe in ways that are not so obvious. So for example, like I teach what I think is the opposite of like bro marketing and yes. I kind of poke fun at bro marketing a lot, but at yes. the same time, I don't go out and like shame bro marketers because guess what? There's a bro marketer out there who's doing all the things that I would never do. And they're really
1: helping some people. Totally. Right. I, and it, I, I agree. They, they, they have their niche and their people and there are people like my personal trainer who wants to listen to those podcasts and learn from those bros, Yeah, you know, <laughs> like that, like that's totally, he's totally going to be down with that. I'm not going to like drop names, but yeah. like there's <laughs> right. There's like, I'm like, Oh, I totally see that for you. Yes. right. Oh, my <laughs> helping some people for sure. And,
0: and they're, you know, they're bringing value to the world in their own way. And, you know, you and I talked about how we, oh, you just said you don't like, You don't tend to prefer those strategies like, oh, clock is ticking, like, you know, Mm -hmm. jump on the offer now and sort of urgency creating marketing strategies. And I don't like to use those either. But guess what? Because somebody used those urgency tactics because they were trying to make, make their business work, like somebody probably, you know, jumped on an offer, said yes to something
1: that changed your life. like, you just never know. Like I just- You just- never know. And we've used that. I want to be clear that we've used yeah. like time is running out stuff, yeah. like yeah. creating a sense of urgency is a real thing, but it's just sort of like what you want to do, like what you, what works for your people and for you.
0: To basically like stay in your lane. It's like, think about, mm-hmm. is this working for me? Do I want to do it this way? Mm-hmm. And just because somebody else is not, it doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean, like, you might even find it annoying. Like, I find you know, when I get unsolicited DMs, like, I find oh, that yeah. annoying just because I have to, like, delete it and stuff. But I'm not, like... I also remind myself they're doing their best too. They're what if they are also doing it right, and we, everyone in the industry, is doing it right. If there's anyone with like very malicious, evil intentions trying to like out to scam people and stress us, stress people out, I've never met them. You know, mm-hmm. I think think everybody's doing their best, and so that makes me feel much more generous towards everybody. Which the. Biggest benefit of being generous towards other people is that that same mentality makes me generous towards myself. Mm, yes. Right? Like if I'm not mad at other people for, what I, for <laughs> quote unquote, doing it wrong, I'm less likely to be mad at myself when I think I'm, quote unquote, doing it wrong. Right.
1: Well, totally. And it's like, that's such a great point. Like when you have a generous attitude towards other people and you believe the best in people, it totally changes the way that you interact with the world and how the world interacts with you. And it also like, let's say you do come across someone who is like, you know, like taking people's money and running away with it, not fulfilling, you know, whatever the package was, it's like, you're going to spend literally two seconds on that if you're overall at right. Like it's, it's sort of like, it's just not part of my daily repertoire to want to spend time on people who maybe are doing something that's unsavory. It's yeah. like, like we're focused on helping people, That end of story. That doesn't mean I'm not advocating for social justice. It doesn't mean like that, this is a different conversation. It Wait, just but you're means- keeping
0: your brain in the zone of creating solutions and creating yes. value instead of being mad and bitching.
1: <laughs> right, and it just, it's it, that kind of energy just slows everybody down.
0: Yeah, I agree, Yeah. Another way, another thing that I think you do brilliantly, like I read, I, I get your emails and I read most of your emails, even though I'm not like the, the, the target, even if I'm not like necessarily going to, like, if, even if I know I'm not going to buy it, I still read it because every little email, every little thing like gives me a, a shot Ooh. of value. It either makes me, I learned something or I don't, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy or whatever. And so another aspect of classy marketing, I think, is marketing that with every point of contact genuinely gives value, genuinely is helpful. And I think I can really feel your thoughtfulness and consideration of the person reading and watching just from where I am now, that's like, it's like, it just exudes to where I am. And mm-hmm. so I was wondering, what are some things that you prioritize? Or really? how do you do that? Where all of your sales emails, all of your content, all of your marketing feels mm-hmm. very high value and useful and helpful, even to somebody who's not necessarily buying?
1: Thank you so much for saying that again. I'm going to like put this on repeat on a loop so that I like have a pep talk I'll all the monster time.
0: you all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, I definitely think it starts with the attitude of, I want, like that is what I'm constantly telling my peeps is that I want every point of contact, whether they're buying from me or not, for them to feel seen and heard and supported and that there's some little nugget even if it's in a reminder email about something, that that it uplifts them in some way or shifts their perspective in some way. And so that overall attitude with everybody that I work with on my team, I call it pink carpet service.
0: Oh, um, it's God. like
1: I'm rolling out the pink carpet. It's an attitude where it's like, I want you to feel like you matter because you do. And every single person who comes into my world, I want them to feel like I've pulled out the chair for them. Like I've set the table. What are we talking about here? How can I help you? And so everything is coming from that attitude, no matter who's helping me with it, whether it's a copywriter or my videographer or, you know, whatever. And so I also think the in addition to that pink carpet attitude that I am constantly, I started college as a journalist major and that has never left me. So I am always on the hunt for a story and I am writing down ideas all day long. Um, that's why you create your own magazine and your own TV show and all that. I just love storytelling. I love storytelling and it's true. It's like, I mean, this mic, I'm like, I got my own radio show. I've <laughs> It's like, watch out, Oprah. I'm joking. But truly, I always wanted to be a broadcaster and a writer. And, and, so, and so now all these years later, it's like, hot damn, I've got a platform. I got a mic. I'm going to say what I want to say. But I am definitely always like, oh, my gosh, that is an amazing story. And I capture my stories on a daily basis and then find a way to infuse even class reminder emails, you know, with some kind of little story.
0: That's a great tip. I love that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Just tell,
0: tell stories. Because a lot of my clients, they get really overwhelmed <laughs> about when I talk about providing value and being useful in every piece of marketing. It's like, well, how do I do that? And they think they, they make it very convoluted in their minds. But I think like just being a collector of stories is a great tip. If you start paying attention, you find them everywhere, right? Stories that inspire, stories that heal, stories that empower. And I also love the other thing you said a little bit earlier on, which is just having an attitude of like, I want to help them feel seen and understood and supported right mm-hmm. that's not hard to do that's what we do as life coaches it's we live and breathe that right so right. if i'm going to write this sales email if i'm going to write this offer if i'm going to like send them a reminder about a-, a zoom link whatever but i'm also going to do it in a way where i intend to make them feel um seen and under- understood supported i would say loved you know how would i do that and i think mm-hmm. it's it's the little intentional you know little, little dose of intention that makes it valuable, not like you have to give them some life-changing five-step process. And that's not what value means. Right.
1: Right. Right. And and I think telling true stories has always been the way I have, my marketing has gone. That is a hundred percent. All I do is tell true stories.
0: And if you are like, where do I get this, these, these stories, you're paying attention, your
1: own life, is a oh f- freaking gold mine of stories. Oh my god, you do not if the pandemic has taught me nothing, <laughs> it is that I can sit in this house and have stories out my ears. It is like you, y'all all y'all thinking like, "Oh, well, it's because you travel and you do this and you do that." No, ma'am. Like Mork the Beagle is an international sensation <laughs> because <laughs> I have sat home with him, right? It's not it's not it's it's how you view the world. And you have gardening stories now because you gardened in the pandemic. Oh, my God. And I'm like, yes. And now I'm a master gardener. Scott Hyatt was laughing at me. I'm like, they need to do tours of this backyard. I need to be (laughs) on the Evansville garden motherfucking tour. Okay. Then, except I don't want anyone in my backyard. So never mind. (laughs) I, I, that's a great point, though, is that you don't need to go out and do big, dramatic,
0: exciting, glamorous things necessarily to have a ton of stories. I remember even before the pandemic, you just told a lot of stories about your life and your family, and not mm-hmm. in a way where you're like you know, airing every detail, but in a way that really gave us a sense of who you are and, and made made you relatable to a lot of people who are you know I mean let's face it you didn't have like the world's craziest life you were like this you're
1: a suburban mom who was a realtor suburban blonde soccer realtor mom. were you an actual soccer, soccer mom, mom? yeah I was an actual soccer mom realtor who wore Talbot's Oh my God, I cannot imagine you in Talbots. In fact, Scott and I passed a Talbots over the weekend. I'm like, maybe I was like, maybe I should take my picture in front of Talbots. And I'm like, no, because I don't want to offend any of you who like Talbots. I don't want to offend your sense of style. It's just clearly not my style. Um, And I was hiding in every single way. I was hiding as the Girl Scout cookie mom. I was hiding as the PTA vice president. I was hiding as, I mean, it is in every definition. And so- using those stories. It, it just, it's not like my life story was, has been super, you know, they're not going to make a lifetime movie of my story. Well, <laughs> okay. now they might just cause now they might, now they might. Well, I, sh- I actually, I actually do have a friend who writes scripts for lifetime movies and she did base a character on me that is going to be in a lifetime movie. I'll have to let you know when it comes out. I said that, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute! She did put me in a script." Never mind. <laughs> you weren't thinking about that being a journalism major.
0: <laughs> no, I was not
1: thinking about that.
0: That's hysterical. But yeah, like you, you—it's like Susan said—it's an attitude. That it's a worldview. It's a way you look at the world where you are looking for stories, and you see yourself, you see your own life as as a goldmine, right? Of I'm sure like every life coach has stories like that of how, how they were hiding, how they were, what they've been through in their healing journey in their empowerment Mm -hmm. journey. Right. And if you would just begin to tell those stories with the intention of making the reader or the listener feel seen, understood and, and supported, you know, that's enough. That's very high value. Totally.
1: In fact, let me tell you a seemingly mundane story that just happened a couple of weeks ago that I did a whole (laughs) go time TV episode about that's coming out and a podcast episode and you'll read it on the blog. But like, this is a simple story of, I'm always talking about the invisible workload of women. Feminists will call it the second shift where, and a lot of women will say to me, oh, well, my husband cooks and my husband (laughs) does this. And, and I'm like, I fucking know. And also your husband saying he's a feminist ain't enough. Let me tell you a little story from my own life. I'm sitting right here, Simone, recording a podcast episode. These usually happen in the morning, early morning, like we're doing now. This was late afternoon. I was about to blow my deadline for my podcast producer and I hear barking in my backyard. And I'm like, that sounds like Caesar, my grand puppy, Ryan Hyatt's dog. And I'm like. But he wouldn't be just randomly in my backyard because Ryan's at work and he takes Caesar to doggy daycare. Where I think I know how goes. this story ends. <laughs> yeah, and I hear bark, 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 and then I'm recording, and I'm like, "That is Caesar." And I get up and I go to the back door where Caesar's looking up at me. His leash is like in a little coil on the <laughs> welcome mat, and Ryan texts me and says, "FYI, Caesar's in your backyard." Forgot I had a doctor's appointment. Oh my God. I'm like, excuse me. So I st- I'm like, would you just randomly drop this 100 pound puppy off at your father's place of business? Because you nice. forgot. And he's like, oops, sorry. And then Scott comes home. <laughs> Scott comes home with Mork, who's delighted to see his 100 pound playmate. And they're like tearing through the house and wrestling. And I'm like, fuck i'm not getting this podcast recorded and scott's like just put him outside so scott puts him outside caesar's like eating a rose bush Oy. and they're barking and acting like nuts i let them back inside i end up holding mork in my lap like a babe like a toddler you're trying to get take to take a nap <laughs> get ready for this simone get ready for this and caesar like finally crashes out and collapses because he's so exhausted. And I, I knew that I just needed to separate them so they would settle down. I look across the living room. Scott Hyatt is eating a Snickers bar and scrolling on his smartphone. And I'm like, here I am once again with dogs, with the invisible workload of women. I've got one adult male in my life, like whoopsie. And the other adult male who's clueless, he's like, why are you mad? I'm like, because I've got the beagle in a headlock and you're over there snacking down on a Snickers. (laughs) I was like, this, my friends, is what we call the invisible workload. I'm experiencing it in real time as I'm trying to freaking teach it. And so that's storytelling. Not glamorous at all. Not glamorous at all. Everyday life. It is happening all around you. It is. So and weird. let me. And let me tell you something. These two men. Mm-mm. They. They. Mm-mm. Uh, it's all over. Ryan hasn't brought Caesar over since.
0: <laughs> you gotta educate them in real time. It's like never ending. Also.
1: Never ending. Oh.
0: So moral of the story. <laughs> Involving the story is find the stories and tell them.
1: (laughs) Yes. And it's like, can be the most basic stuff. There's stuff happening to you. I promise every single day, every day. Yeah.
0: It's like, I don't know where to get content ideas. It's like your life, pay attention and the lives of your loved ones.
1: Pay attention and ask yourself, like, how can I tell this in a way? Like, right. I went to Facebook immediately to like be funny about it, but how can I tell it in a way for real? that really helps people that helps women recognize like my best friend folding her laundry on the flatbed of her SUV while her kids at lacrosse. Why is she doing that? You know what I mean? Like there are everyday examples of how we are over efforting and doing too much. And we just accept it as part of our role is really the teaching moment. So it's like, let's put everybody else to work. How are we going to do that? (laughs)
0: So the invisible workload workload of women is one of the teaching topic that Susan is passionate about, as you can see. And maybe, <laughs> maybe yours is something different, right? Maybe yours is inner child healing. Maybe yours is I don't know, whatever, right? Then, then if you just make a habit of of finding those stories and telling them in a way where where it's it's genuinely helpful to the other person, they they walk away with something that they can apply to their lives, or maybe even a even a perspective shift that they can that's going to be helpful for them. You know, that's, that's great marketing. It's simple. It's easy. It's you just like being human with another person, telling them a story Mm -hmm. as humans do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I got to ask you this because how do you back to the topic of classiness, how do you maintain what I'm perceiving as your extreme classiness when you have a so, like trolls and crazy people coming after you and people calling you names and people t- telling you, you, should, you shouldn't you should be like this, shouldn't say stuff like that. I'm like, honestly, just like on a personal note, Susan, I'm not there yet and in, my, in the point of my business where people are like really coming after me. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh no, it's like, I need to be prepared for how to deal with <laughs> So, how do you keep firm boundaries? How do you be an an object of so much like love and admiration on the one hand, and also like so many attacks on the other hand, while keeping from at least from what it looks like on my end, such an attitude of generosity and positivity? Teach us how to do that. Teach me how to do that.
1: Well, um, (laughs) I will say that I have built what you see today is just the result of having to do face it over and over and over again. And so the first time someone sent me a hateful email or made a terrible comment on my blog or whatever, I didn't handle it the way that you see today. I like, went through plenty of time taking things very personally and like sending back a really nasty email and, and that sort of thing, or the opposite, like trying to appear very spiritual and life coachy, even though inside I was seething about whatever they said. Um, (laughs) you know, I was like, I'm going to take the high road and would type up this very, you know, sanitized response and, inside uh, you're like, fuck you. Inside, I'm like, get the fuck off my lawn. And so now I can really see it for the projection that it is. And also understand that if you, have you read Trainwreck by Sadie Doyle? I have not. I highly recommend that you read it and everyone listening, read it. It's basically the study of culturally how we build women up like America's sweetheart, and then Mm. knock her off that pedestal. And it's a, it's a cycle that has happened since the beginning of time and over and over and over again. And it's a case study of like, say like Miley Cyrus, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, like what we would have called a train wreck and what Britney Spears Spears is a perfect example. And it basically Talks about like what was really happening with these women and how they were portrayed publicly and then, you know, knocked off their pedestal, so to speak. And we have done this with poets and religious leaders, and it doesn't matter. And so, kind of understanding that if you are a woman and those of us who have online businesses, if, you know, that you're in the public eye there is an attitude with women in the public eye that they're up for criticism they're up for grabs they're up for commentary about how they look even if AI. you're a fellow woman yes it, it like it's ingrained misogyny so yeah. it, you know we literally since birth have been breathing this in and yeah. and, and we all like I catch myself occasionally like, oh, wow, okay, internalized misogyny, (laughs) like calm down. But Facebook ads and, you know, all those things, it's like it can seem like you're this online punching bag for people who have different opinions or people who have, like, I think my Facebook ads are an interesting study because I can be fully clothed and that's still like, you know, why is your skin so shiny? Oh, I I need to have s- shiny skin to participate in this program. Just like <laughs> nonsense. Or I could like even like my team now photoshops camisoles on me because any hint of cleavage, Simone, any hint, and I'm not even talking like any hint of cleavage that I might actually have breasts leads to a litany of comments on ads and promotional things. Oh, and we're dear. not talking provocative. We're talking like a suit. And so it's just interesting. I've had a lot of practice dealing with that. So my point is kind of intellectually understanding it and then emotionally having done the work that when someone has a criticism about how you look or your opinion, that it it's just that. It's like their projection, their opinion, like the online world is not real life <laughs> and and that it's okay for people. I have like t-shirts and things that say, let them be mad. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not trying to be rude, but it's like, it's okay that they don't like you and it's okay that they don't agree with you. And it's okay that they're furious that you're a woman with an opinion. It's like, let them be mad. That is not your business. I hope I
0: can be as graceful and gracious and strong as you are in my coming days.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm here to pep talk you, (laughs) um, you know, when that happens. And it's just um, the times that I have gotten really snarky back. It, it hasn't felt good. It doesn't do anything. It's like, don't feed the trolls. Like you focus your energy on helping people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. I, it's one of those things. Like I, I literally started the first ad, Facebook ad of my life like a week ago, and I'm like, oh no, some of you mean comments about me now. I'm so scared. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like
1: now I can laugh at them. Yeah. Like you know, w- we were running a Facebook ad that said like should you be a life coach? And it was an assessment, like to see if the life coaching industry right. was for you. And the comments, Simone, oh my gosh. That's like the most innocuous thing. Yeah. and It was like people being like, what, what a horrible industry. What a scam, you know? Right, like right, right. And then like this 70 year old woman was like, these 20 somethings trying to tell me how to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So I'm excited to running Facebook ads though. How's Thank it going? You. You
0: know, I, I was really surprised because my, my Facebook ads person who's wonderful was like, I, you know, don't expect a sale, like in, you know, an ROI in the first like 30 days. And so far it's been a week and we already had a sale and we spent like a yes. hundred bucks. So I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Yes. And so, I mean, I'm literally in the very, very beginning of it, but it just felt like I had to get over so much. of It's a whole nother episode, whole, so much of my own resistance to ads and fear of ads and like all the reasons why I thought it was never going to work. It's not for me and blah, blah, blah. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm the organic marketing queen. But I, it took me months to get over myself. I got coached on it so much. And I finally Pulled, you know, I pulled the trigger, I did it, and it feels like, oh, my God, I have the first piece of evidence that, like, Facebook ads might possibly work for me, too. So you guys are all going to watch in real time as I try to figure this shit out.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited about it. And listen, I built my company organically, too. I totally get having to make that transition. But, like, paid advertising just, like, amplifies what's working. Right. So, or, or not working.
0: I I will say compared to a lot of people who are in earlier phases of the business, I feel like I have such a good idea of who I am now, what my voice is and what I'm all about. So putting together the ads themselves, it was easy because it was easy to convey exactly what I wanted to convey to exactly who I want to convey it to. So I think that process was a lot more efficient because I've done the work to figure all that out organically. Yeah. Right. Totally. So thank you for your encouragement. I have so much more to learn from you. I like, I want to have you back and talk about more things, but that's gotta be the end of today's episode. I would love to be back. You're a delight. Thank you so much, Susan. All right. If you want to follow Susan, if you want to look at, you know, she, are you still offering the, what's going on right now? What's on on, on the offer? What were you going to ask me if I'm still offering? You're like, are you still Oh the the the, certif- the life coaching university <laughs> yes
1: a- <laughs> we are actually enrolling right now the university for life coach training we are enrolling for the next group that starts mid June I don't know if this episode will be out by then but yeah. the universityforlifecoachtraining.com we have a brand new website it's fabulous And if you want to find me on social media, it's just at Susan Hyatt on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. So for some reason, if you're not
0: following her already, just like, have you been living under a rock? Um, Follow (laughs) her. Check out
1: the University of Life Coaching. What is it? University of... (laughs) <laughs> the university for life coach training. I know everybody okay. does It's that. not They're that like, hard, Wait. but it's somehow jumbled yeah. in my head.
0: Okay. Go check that out. It's an amazing program. I took a peek the other day and I was like, Ooh, it's so fun. Um, Me so hope you lots of you go sign up and, and learn more about Susan, all the things again. Thank you so much. I am still so going to have you back. Thank you, Simone. It was my pleasure.